Today's lesson is written in Mark chapter 9. They came to Capernaum. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? But they kept quiet because on the way, they'd argued about who was the greatest. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 and said, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. The word of the Lord. You be seated. Well, good morning and welcome to worship. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I am Pastor Tammy Roach. I'm the adult ministries pastor here at Alleluia, and we're so glad that you could join us today. As Pastor Mark mentioned, we are in our second week of our sermon series behind our Facebook Lives. And last week, Pastor Mark started off that sermon series by saying that no matter how we portray them on social media, our marriages are not perfect. But in spite of those imperfections, we can have good loving, and enduring marriages. Now this weekend, we are taking a look at the reality that behind the facade of social media, our children also struggle. From a young age, we learn that our children struggle with sitting still in the classroom. They struggle with reading. They struggle with sensory input and sharing with their peers. Some struggle with severe allergies and diseases with cures or without. Some are struggling as they watch their parents' marriage disintegrate before their eyes. And even some are subject to abuse. In addition to these things, our teens are struggling with decisions over sexual activity and drug and alcohol use. They are enduring bullying, and they are suffering through academic pressures. And they are experiencing anxiety and depression at an alarming rate. In fact, they say that an estimated 3.2 million adolescents in the U.S. had at least one major depressive episode in 2017. And according to the National Institutes of Health, nearly one in three of all adolescents ages 13 to 18 will experience an anxiety disorder. Now, in addition to genetics and brain chemistry, personality and life events, there are a number of factors which studies show could be contributing to this epidemic. And one of those contributors is social media. Now, right now, teens in the room are rolling their eyes because they are sick of hearing this one. But hear me out. I am not saying that social media is evil. I'm saying that its use and availability leave you vulnerable to bullying, to viewing pornography, to influence and propaganda, and FOMO, feelings of missing out. Now, teens, I want to assure you that these, these feelings and these contributions are not just true for you, but they are true for the adults in this room, whether they care to admit it or not. Another factor of stress that our teens are facing today is the threatening world. 
See, this generation of teens has experienced both public and school shootings and the subsequent drills and lockdowns that they have to go through in schools on a regular basis. Places that were once deemed safe are now full of threats. And another, it's the high expectations and the pressure to succeed. See, we live in a culture of achievement, and youth today feel pressure, feel pressure to perform and to achieve and to succeed in ways that previous generations have not. We don't just have honors classes, we have AP classes and dual credit courses that they have to choose from. And we don't just have high school sports, but we have club sports that demand their time and energy year-round and become more like a full-time job. We don't just get to learn an instrument, but we perform, or perform our music and march and parades and, and at football games. Instead, we practice for hours on ends and go to intense competitions. The pressure to succeed, to be the very best, especially for our youth, is very real. But it seems that this desire for greatness has not been limited to just our generation. See, in our text for today, we meet Jesus and his disciples as they are entering the town of Capernaum. And as they were walking on this journey, the disciples must have been engaging in a pretty intense conversation, a little bit of a debate. Because when they entered their destined house, Jesus asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? Now, parents, I don't know about you, but when I ask that question, I usually already know the answer. And Jesus being Jesus, he probably already knew. But for him, this question was an opportunity for instruction and teaching. But how did the disciples respond to that question? See, they kept quiet, according to verse 34, because on their way they had argued about who is the greatest. See, the disciples, Jesus' followers, were debating about who was the greatest. Their fear of failure their insecurities over disappointing Jesus, and their eagerness to compete caused them to lose focus on what was important. Does that sound familiar? Fear of failure. I have to pass this test. I'm not going to get into college. Insecurities over disappointing our parents, our teachers, our coaches. Eagerness to compete because we're told we have to be the best. For the disciples, for us, see, establishing and maintaining their reputations was a priority that, held, that they held deep inside of them. And they were trying to seek greatness through recognition and status, which was very contrary to what Jesus was teaching them. The question Jesus asked forced them to look inward and see. Their hearts were not focused on the right things. Then Jesus, taking the position of a teacher, he sits down and he calls the disciples forward as if to say, listen up. What I am to tell you, 
that I'm going to tell you is very, very important. In order to be the greatest, you must become the least and servant to all. Wow, those words, they bore deep into the disciples' soul because Jesus knew. He knew what they were arguing about. And then Jesus proceeded to take a, a little child who he had placed among them, verse 36, and taking the child into his arms, embracing the child, holding the child, said to his disciples, whoever welcomes one of these little children welcomes me. But even more, whoever welcomes me does not just welcome me, but the one who sent me, God. Think about this for just a moment. Jesus takes a child, the ultimate symbol of lowliness in that culture especially. And in one motion, in one embrace, tells this child, I see you for who you are. You are worthy. You are valued. You are loved. Not because of what you have achieved, but because of who you are, a beloved child of God. Jesus was saying to his disciples that while you are seeking honor and status and greatness based on notoriety and recognition, real honor, real status, real greatness comes from serving others, most particularly those who are deemed the lowest of low. See, to be the greatest, you must humble yourself and serve others. Now that was a bit of a slap in the face to the disciples that day. I think it's interesting to think about what we teach our own children about greatness, about honor, and about recognition. So I went back over my own Facebook post and I looked to see what I was posting. I'm going to show you a couple of those today. Go ahead and, and start the first one. So this is a post that I put on Facebook on Thursday night. This was following my son Nate's meet that night. This video shows is going to show a really awesome pin on his behalf. He won that meet. He worked really hard, and he went for it. See that, that ref is circling around because he knows he's going to get it. And there he is, any second now. Yep, there it is. But oh, come on, Nate, you can do it. I know you've got it. Yes, pin for the win. But what I didn't share was he had two meets last week. And the one on Wednesday night, he didn't win. He worked really hard. He fought to the very end, and it was a really competitive match, but he just couldn't pull it out, and he lost. In fact, I was probably more proud of him on Wednesday night than I was on Thursday because he never gave up, but I didn't post that one. I have another video, and this one's of my daughter playing soccer, and you're going to see her scream across the field to the right side of the net, do a slide tackle, and save the ball from a goal. But what I didn't show you was that 10 minutes prior to that, she left the field wide open. 
and gave the team an opportunity to score a goal. So why did I do these things? Because I know that my children did great in those moments, and I wanted everyone else to know how great they were. So I wanted them to see their greatness and not their error. What we put on social media is the image we want the world to see. We want them to see the positive, successful, fun-filled, beautiful family that looks perfect in every way. What we don't post on social media are the failures, the fears, the fights, and the tears, and the struggles that our kids are most certainly going through. We do not share information with which we think may shed a bad light on our kids and lead people to believe that they are less than perfect, or we are less than perfect, or indeed our children struggle. We don't do those things for good reason. It's okay that we don't post the negative stuff. But what is important to remember, that despite what social media leads us to believe, all kids struggle at one time or another. And it's okay. So kids, I want you to hear today that you are not alone. And don't let social media tell you otherwise. And parents, if your kids don't win, it's okay. See, in our culture today, especially in our area of affluence, it's so easy to get caught up in the need to be the greatest. But Jesus remind us, reminds us that true greatness is not about achievement, but about serving all. See, our focus should be on serving others, not with a heart of recognition, but with a heart of serving. Now, this shift in focus is not going to make all the struggles just go away. Being a kid is a, is a lot of hard work. Being a kid is all about making mistakes and growing and learning through those mistakes. But maybe the shift in focus Maybe it'll help them ease some of the struggles that they are going through, like depression and anxiety. So how can we as parents and teachers and pastors and adults of influence, how can we help them do this? Well, what if, as parents and other adults, what if we humble ourselves and approach parenting with a heart of serving? What if we remember that raising our kids is not about helping them be first or making them be the best? What if instead we teach them to serve others, to love others, to have compassion for others, to show kindness and patience with others? What if we taught our kids to handle conflict by example or to appreciate differences and disappointments without judgment and while still treating each other with respect and love? What if we modeled this in the way we live our own lives? Yes, we can still celebrate their victories and foster their talents. There is nothing wrong with, it, with that. But those things no longer have to rule over our lives and affect the daily dynamic in our home. 
Now, Ephesians 4, 6 offers us some guidance on how we can do this. It reads this. The words are on the screen. It says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I'm going to read this one more time. Do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Wow, does this one sentence carry a lot of value. First of all, it's a warning to parents, not just fathers, but to parents. Do not provoke your child to anger. I think it's interesting that that there are many ways that parents do this that we don't even realize that we are provoking our children to anger. Teasing, ridiculing, and humiliating your child for punishment is one of those ways which we can provoke them. See, when you discipline your child, ask yourself this question. Are you humbling yourself and taking the position of a teacher? Or are you harsh and belittling in your tone and actions? Another way that parents often provoke their children to anger is through inconsistency. See, inconsistently leaves a child unsure about their expectations and the consequences for their actions. And that can be really frustrating and confusing for them. Another thing that we learn from this about provoking anger is through hypocrisy, right? Requiring behavior from our child that we are not choosing to engage with ourselves. One of the other takeaways from this passage, right, it reads, bring, up, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Right, but we, this is telling us that we should discipline our kids. See, God through Jesus sets an example of discipline with love by instilling values and by sharing life lessons, we discipline our kids with the ultimate goal of teaching them to live into the image of Christ. And the final takeaway from this passage is that we are to bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. So as we teach, as we guide, and as we discipline our kids, we should be slow to anger. We should offer forgiveness and we are to instruct them through word and truth. There are so many ways that we can actually put this passage and what we learn from this passage into practical use, into action. But the very first thing is it starts by modeling behaviors and practicing these things in our own lives. So how do we help our kids with their expected struggles? I want to offer some suggestions today. First of all, I want you to remember Ephesians 6.4 and really take it to heart. And there are other ways. I encourage you to be present and available to your kids. See, by intentionally being present to them and looking them in the eye, by embracing them in the same way that Jesus embraced the child, you are letting them know that they are noticed, that they are loved, that they are valued, not for what they have achieved, but for who they are. Are. I want to encourage you to set examples, good examples for healthy living, right? These are just well-being practices, sleeping well, getting enough sleep, eating good nutrition, right? Exercising, teaching your children coping skills, 
can't just solve all their problems because they are going to have a lifetime of struggles and decisions. I want to also encourage you to, have, to engage in spiritual practices and model this, right? Prayer, community worship, reading the Bible. Do your kids see you with an open Bible? Do they know that you are reading and engaging in practices that you are encouraging them to do? Show them how to develop a relationship with God through Christ. Teach them that God's word is still relevant today. Even in preparation for for today, I was going through the Proverbs and was struck by all the things we could be teaching our kids through that one book. And parents, I also want to encourage you to have realistic expectations and help your children set healthy boundaries. See, we need to guide them and help them set up an example of managing their own time by setting healthy parameters within social media and by helping them choose their friends wisely. See, setting realistic expectations and healthy boundaries, by doing this, we teach our kids that we do not have to be perfect, nor do we have to do it all. See, a teacher may be very well-intentioned when they say, your kid should really be in an honors course. But that doesn't mean that the child has to do it or that you have to force them to sign up for these more intensive courses. See, each child is unique with different strengths and weaknesses, abilities, personalities, and limitations. And that's okay. Yeah. Behind our Facebook lives, our children are struggling. They're struggling with minor things, but they're also struggling with some really major things. But that is not the end of the story. Jesus teaches us that there is hope and that there is a better way. See, we don't have to feel less than because we are not the greatest by worldly standards. Instead, we can take comfort in knowing that Christ humbled himself. And he went to a cross for us and that he shows us a better path, one that stems from loving and serving others. Let's pray. Good and gracious God, we thank you so much for the gift of all of the children in our lives. Father, we ask that you fill us with your spirit, And that we are open to the ways that you are leading and guiding us as parents and adults of influence. So that we can let our children know that it's okay not to be perfect. That it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay not to be the greatest by worldly standards. Lord God, help us to set an example. Help us to set an example of of serving others and loving all. In the way we parent, in the way we influence, in the way we teach. Father, we are so thankful for your son who humbled himself for us and went, for a cross, went to a cross for us. We are so thankful for that grace and that love, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen.